Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Thank you all very much for joining us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we warmly welcome you all. We will start today with our prayer. I'm reading from pages 220 to 221, excerpts from those only, from the Divinity Course and General Connectan. Mentally treat yourself that nothing can govern your actions or come to your thought that is not from divine mind. Be strong then. So many sinister suggestions come to mind once and each day commit yourself to the care of our one parent. Trust him, turn to him in all your ways for light to direct your footsteps and wisdom to enable you to separate the tares from the wheat so that you can judge well between the human and the evil suggestion and the good or divine impulse. Be wholly absorbed in the work of gaining daily more understanding of God. Then personal ambition, envy, desire to be in this or that place cannot use you. Personal ambition has no place in a Christian's thought of life. He is wholly occupied in the loving, humble purpose to do good, to be good and to prove that good is all that can govern thought, action, condition, or being. If you rise spiritually, you lose your sense of I in matter and gain your selfhood in spirit. This brings the divine health, which is not dependent upon the body, but is of the Father, forever the same. Mary Baker Eddy. That is beautiful. That is worth studying. Yes. 220 to 221 in the blue book. Yes. Thank you, Florence. All right, the watching point. Watch number 118. Watch lest you forget that your primary reason for denying the beliefs of sin, sickness, and matter is that you cannot serve two masters. You must make the things of God real to yourself. The first step in this direction is to make the things of mortal mind unreal. You should not seek to get rid of them for any other reason than to make way for the reality of spirit and of spiritual existence. Thank you. All right. Comments on it. If our purpose is to glorify God, then it's how he has made us. It's what we want to see in ourselves and in others. And we want it to be revealed to mankind. So, again, turning to spirit. Turn into spirit, spiritualizing thought. Thank you. Anyone? And also the denying the beliefs of sin, sickness, and 
matter is, is not to have more comfort in matter. It's to know that we can't believe in those because they're not part of the spiritual idea that we are. Thank you. I just was thinking before I came here, life just seemed to be getting like smaller and darker and and got got to a really low place. So mortal mind is really good at showing itself to be, you know, unreal. And I, I think that's one thing that's important when you come here is to remember Remember that. Remember that low place you were at that made you come here and seek seek this truth, and not to forget that and think, "Oh, I'm just going to use this tool and go back." And <laughs> nope. So. Thank you. That's very good. Very important. I was reading today. I, I love the Una Willard Association addresses. <clears throat> it's on our website. What do you do when life to you becomes less painful and more agreeable? Seek principle more earnestly or think of some way to have a pleasant time? Hmm. It's a very important question because this is what's happened in many ways to the movement as we've talked about. And everyone gets well and and, uh, maybe rich sometimes, (laughs) whatever, and they just go about have a pleasant time rather than to seek truth more earnestly. That's not the goal. It can be a byproduct, but it's not the goal. The goal is spiritualization of thought to bring in the millennium. And until that's done, we have not done what we should uh, by any means. In that um, wonderful, wonderful, uh, Article, I guess it is an article at the end of the Eustace book, The Psychologist and the Magician. Those of you who have read it, and if you haven't, you should. Uh, he had to go through, the psychologist had to go through a cave and prove the unreality of all these awful things that the magician had, through magic, had made him think were real cobras and lions and deep chasms he had to cross over and he was able to go through it and see the unreality of it all and then at the very end it came to a very pleasant spot where it was so beautiful he could sit down and eat and and that's where he got a little tripped up so it's always the temptation um but also with this watching point it's always always the focus has to be on god you know, if you focus too much on the denial and what's wrong, what happens? You keep that in your thought instead of getting it healed. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. You keep that in your thought rather than getting it healed. So it's it can be very tricky. You know, you think you're supposed to deny and fight and... Uh, I mean, some of that is sometimes necessary, but if you're making it into some huge reality, then that's then you're way off. <laughs> You've lost the path. It's easy to do. I certainly have done it, but um, just remember, focus on God. Remember, you cannot destroy the error. 
you you cannot destroy it. Even by changing your thinking, you can't destroy it. Why? Because it was never real in the first place. Yes. All you can do is improve your own vision. And vision is spiritual. So the process is to improve your spiritual vision. And that is what destroys the error. And you can't improve your spiritual vision unless you're focused 100% on God, who is spirit. Thank you. And that certainly leads us to our golden text. And the subject today is spirit. Beautiful topic. And Carol, you want, would you read the golden text? I was not disobedient unto the heavenly me, vision. Yes. So who's speaking? What is this all about? I was not disobedient. Well, it's Paul speaking. Yes. Uh, he was speaking to a, I can't remember the man's name, but he was in a high position. Agrippa. Agrippa. Thank you. Mm-hmm. He was being accused, Paul, with me being accused. Do you speak up, Linda? <clears throat> Paul was being accused, I think, of uh, causing... Uh, stirring things up and Agrippa was uh, asking if uh, he was trying to change, Paul was trying to change Agrippa's thought by uh, talking to him like that but I didn't uh, that's part of the story that I read I, I felt that Paul was just saying that he had to be true to what was given to him and speak to it and what was the heavenly vision that he was given Well, that's that's revelation. Um, So when they converted them, go ahead. When the Christ appeared to them, so why do you kick against the pricks? (laughs) (laughs) So he gave them a new, you know, actually clarified his thought so that he was ready to do the do good for the right reason. So. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Remember that heavenly vision. Um, he he had been blinded, right? Blinded, and uh, on the road to Damascus. Yes, where he was going to persecute the Christians, and he was blinded for three days and given a new vision by the Christ, and he was ready for it because he had an honest conviction. He had an honest heart. He was just misled. So when we seek Christ for the loaves and the fishes, instead of for a better and closer relationship with God, we're just misled. Yes. I was here, but I will read that again because from Una Willard. What do you do when life to you becomes less painful and more agreeable? Seek principle more earnestly or think of some way to have a pleasant time? This is a very sober 
but important question to ask yourself always. This is why Mrs. Eddy talks about the fewness and faithfulness of the followers. Um, because it's, it's, it's a requirement, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to be happy or have less fun. What does it mean? You're going to have real purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Real purpose, deep joy, great peace. And the, uh, the divine health that Florence read about from the blue book, you'll get to know that your health isn't in matter. You're not looking at it and seeking to find it there and then worried because of the contagion and all this other stuff, all this stuff that you're bombarded with. Um, you you rise up above it. You know, your health is like any other quality of God. It is in God and it's untouchable if you're knowing it. But if you're not knowing it and you're just are seeking all the human pleasures and the material things, then sometimes you get taken off course and and uh, temporarily have to find yourself back on the right course again. But it's better not to go off course if possible. But I know I've certainly been off course many times, so it's not because <clears throat> they're lessons. Okay, go ahead. One of the reasons I, I was reading Una Willard this week too. This is from the 1944 address. She said, "When Jesus dis dismissed all temptation to desire personal and isolated good for himself, angels came and ministered unto him." So, it's really beautiful. Like that. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I think also when he says that uh, error sometimes beautiful, always erroneous. That's a thought you have to. Remember not to be swayed because it might seem nice, but always erroneous. Only God, only God is God. I'm talking about apostrophe S is always the same. It's today, today, and tomorrow. That's right. And and I'm not speaking here about being a monk by any means. Mm -hmm. We are to be in the world and enjoy life life with a capital L, but not to be swept up in all the materiality, the drama of it all, and uh, and forget that I arise today in the strength of heaven. <laughs> it's a beautiful deer's cry. I arise today with the strength of God to pilot me. We should always be thinking of those things as we go about our day. And that will keep us safely on course. Um, now, I, I want to share with you some things Carrie sent on this golden text, because it was an interesting golden text. I don't know whether we've ever had it or had it called out like that before. <clears throat> before I go on, though, I would like to say, um, <laughs> those of us who saw The Chosen this weekend, um, once again, it's it's in our lesson. Uh, one of the Bible stories is in the lesson. And I truly do not think it can be a coincidence. This is like the third or fourth time when our lesson is coordinated with the chosen. <laughs> and I mean, these lessons are written months in advance. In fact, I think this one was written maybe in August or something. So there's no way that we know that no, this is going to happen. But um, 
this past one, and maybe some of you still are going to see it. I guess it's still out on theaters today and tomorrow, but it was very, very powerful. Um, and the way they bring the situation so you feel like you're there is quite remarkable. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that it's reaching so many people now. It broke the box office records, right? Ha, 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 ha. You know, because this is what people want. They don't want um, this other trite stuff. Not even trite. Some of it is just downright. Yeah, full of discord and dismay. Yeah, discord and dismay. People want to be inspired. And... Um, Right, Florence, it's reaching everywhere. She knows she talks to people all around and all around the world. All you have to do is watch those little videos in between where the people get, just videotape themselves to say how much they're moved by it. It just sometimes those things just move me to tears because they're so, you know, just watching that help them feel closer to Christ. Yes, yeah. And some of them been. Some are not even believers, you know, it might be the first time they've seen this and it moves them. One man was talking about the spirit, you know, he, he refers to the spirit of the show. <clears throat> yes. Well, they certainly have done a wonderful job capturing the spirit of yes. Jesus' life, haven't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, and this is what it's for. Is to is to show people who maybe have never had a right concept of what's in the Bible to show what's really there, so they can feel the spirit. I mean, who who wouldn't be moved <laughs> by this story? It's like that old hymn. I love to tell the story <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> And when we're getting bombarded with all this other stuff, you know, to to go back to the primitive teachings of the Christ. And this is how healing takes place. You don't need all the drugs and pharmaceutical stuff. You need God. And it brings you back. And this is what Mrs. Eddy says in her manual, that the reason she established her, her church was to establish Christ Jesus's primitive teachings back to the very beginning basic teaching and it's it's stirring to be reminded of how wonderful it it was and still is and to keep that deep within us every day so i'm grateful and i i know they work on a lot with humility the cast and the writers which is i think is why they've been able to do as well as they have so, um, and also very, some, very often I'll go home and I'll read the story that was in the, or the stories that was in, in the movies and they do stick to an outline. You know, they, they, uh, yes, they do take liberties and elaborate, but there's a basic outline of what's in the Bible that happened. And they, they always stick to that pretty darn well. So, um, and then they do elaborate it on in some cases, but anyway. It was, it was quite powerful, and and once again went along with our lesson. Any, Florence? No, I wasn't saying anything. Oh. All right, so we will go back to this heavenly vision. 
Because the vision that you have, the vision that you hold, as Gary was originally saying, is, is very important. What do you keep in thought? What do you project? Um, are, you, are you always thinking of the negative and fearful and doubtful? Are you listening to the, all these reports in the news and taking them in and thinking they're real? No, your vision must be a beautiful vision, a God-given vision. And anyway, these articles bring that out. This one is called The Exalting Vision by William McKinsey, 1919 issue of the journal. Everything beautiful which has blessed the world through the lives of the apostles, martyrs, and saints has been the outcome of their vision. What they saw of divine principle, they became obedient to, and through this obedience became the manifestors and reflectors of principle. It is evident that what they declared to mankind, they first had to see. They exercised what Wordsworth called the inner sight. Then they obeyed their vision and brought its beauty and harmony into expression. Some as preachers and teachers, some as patient endures of human brutality, some as patient endures of human brutality, some as exemplary workers in lowly places. But whether saints or sages, martyrs or prophets, teachers of righteousness or healers of the sick, they all have capable of understanding what Paul meant when he said at the time he was pleading his case before the king, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Um, and then this one is a very beautiful one from Ella Hogue, 1925. Um, our leader, leader tells us in Science and Health that life and goodness are immortal. And then she adds, let us shape our views of existence into loveliness, freshness, and continuity rather than to, into age and blight. Here she shows us the way to learn how it is that God does indeed make all things new. Here is a simple method whereby we may experience that newness which is both real and eternal to shape our views of existence into loveliness, freshness, and continuity, is to lay hold of the true thoughts that originate in the one perfect mind, where all is ever harmonious and good. What a joyful privilege is there presented to us in the beloved science, this privilege of shaping our existence into loveliness, freshness, and continuity simply by holding thought perpetually to all that God is good. Every time we cling to a divine thought, we are clinging to that which is ever new, eternally beautiful and always continuous. We are thus dwelling with the thoughts which enable, which inevitably express themselves in all that is true and desirable, in all that is real and lasting. So, you know, you can just take one, one little sentence paragraph of what Mrs. Eddy writes and hold to that and think about that during the day to hold your thoughts steadfastly to those, the beautiful things 
And as she says, the enduring the good and the true and bringing those into your experience proportionately to the occupancy of your thought. And you have a choice. You know, when you're when you're in bed at night, getting ready for sleep, are you thinking about everything that happened during the day and maybe things that troubled you? Or are you holding your thought to all that's beautiful and good and enduring and true? As Peter's beautiful song, Face the Light. Remember? Face the Light. Peter Kidd. Yes, I'm sorry. Peter Kidd. Our Peter Kidd. So, and this is another called Spiritual Vision. Um, speaking of Saul, on his way to Damascus, carrying out the commission of the church, he is amusing upon things and planning much of that is contrary in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. But when midday, when his plans for the extermination of the disciples were approaching completion, he suddenly becomes conscious that this is not a manifestation of the power of good over evil and his obedience to the suggestion. If one asks, whence comes this suggestion? It might be answered, whence cometh the thought in your own consciousness that arrests some unholy action or intent? The understanding that all is mind and mind is God, which Christian science teaches and demonstrates, alone can explain his experience. Good is expressed alone in goodness and does not employ hatred to carry out its purposes. That good is supreme over all and to proclaim this indeed is the work of his ministers. It is this that opens the eyes of the blind in material and mortal belief and turns from darkness to light. So here he is walking along, and you know, where did this thought come that turned him from the era? The era, that, and he thought he was doing good. This brings out you can't do good by doing evil, can you? Though people sometimes think you can, can't really do good by doing evil, no. And that this is what turns his thought, and it what it what is what turns everyone's thought from that wrong path to the right path. And so then who else had a had a spiritual vision that was held to? Who else? Uh, Jacob? John? Jacob? Yes. All of those, but someone of more modern time that we're well acquainted with. I mean, with Mrs. Eddie's revelation, spiritual. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Eddie, Mrs. Eddie, didn't she have a spiritual vision? And no matter what, whatever would try to stop her from it, she did not. She did not go off course. Yes, it's true. All those others had wonderful <laughs> spiritual visions. Anyone who's accomplished anything has had that spiritual vision. And, and was brought out. It doesn't come from, uh, comes from obedience, carrying it forth. It's obedience to God that brings it forth. <clears throat> and didn't she have everything to try to stop her? Everything. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. But she, My she even tested this spiritual vision, didn't she? She tested it. She proved it for herself. 
which, which means we can do the same thing for ourselves. And in fact, we have to, don't we? We, we, we can't inherit this spiritual vision. Well, like the watch, you must make the things of God real to yourself. Right. Right. We, we have to prove them to ourselves, but we can also. And that is the beauty of Christian science. It is 100% practical and provable. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> right. And that's why we're all so excited about it. We can't forget that the lesson also says the kingdom of God is within us. That's how we can, we can do it. Exactly. Yes. And that's so beautiful. Um, so, so some of you have been writing things and sending them to me since we haven't had the forum up in a while. Um, so it's fancy wrote on that. Yeah, I loved thinking about that, that it's the kingdom of God is within us. <clears throat> so Mrs. Eddy writes about the kingdom within as follows. When speaking of God's children, not the children of men, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. That is truth and love reign in the real man, showing that man is God's image, unfallen and eternal. And then in miscellaneous writings, <coughs> Mrs. Eddy, what the kingdom of heaven, the abode of spirit, the realm of the real, no matter is there, no night, nothing that maketh or worketh a lie, uh, that the kingdom of God is within you, within the very present possibilities of mankind. And she says, think of this inheritance, heaven right here, where angels are as men, clothed more lightly, and men as angels who burdened for an hour spring into liberty, and the good they would do, that they do, and the evil they would not do, that they do not. So I was thinking, we're told to think about this inheritance, just think about this, that heaven is here right now, that the realm of spirit, not matter, of light, not darkness, of truth, not the lying beliefs of mortal mind, and that as the real man, God's image, truth and love reign in us, and we are unfallen and eternal, spiritual, and that this kingdom, the kingdom of God is within us. What a glorious inheritance God has given to us. Really, that's so beautiful. And that quote from her was from Mrs. Eddy in miscellaneous writings. There's two different pages, yes. Page uh, 174 and then also on 251. Miscellaneous writings? Miscellaneous writings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, whatsoever things are good, true, pure, etc., think on these things. And that is a beautiful thing to think about, that the kingdom of heaven is within you. Do you want to say something? Oh, no, no I was no. Just... Okay. Anybody else? Karen, were you going to say something? Thought was um, since we've talked, since we've talked um, on the Bible studies about poems recently, my thought kept going to the poem in the beginning of miscellaneous writing, where Mrs. Any, the last verse says, "My world has grown from spirit, an everlasting day, whereof I've more to glory, wherefore have much to pay." 
but her that whole poem there of hers um, is beautiful. And I just I've been my thought was um, led to that this week to think about. But my world has sprung from spirit. That's a beautiful poem in the beginning of miscellaneous writing. Thank you very much. That is. You see, we have so many wonderful, good things to think about. That. <laughs> That's lovely. Thank you. Yes. And I know it's hard. Sometimes people say they have trouble understanding that they're spiritual. But again, that's why you, you think more on these beautiful concepts we've been talking about and less about, oh, my gosh, look at me. I'm matter. And what's that? What's this all about? You focus on that. Then then that's, that's it's not helpful. But so focus on, yes, keep focusing on the enduring, the good and the true. And you will bring them into your experience and you will find this this so-called mortal body will have less to say to you. You are but the humble servant of the restful mind, Mrs. Eddy says. But uh, and she says, don't beat out against the mist, simply rise above it. So we started off. You don't make a big reality of it all. You, you keep your thought on all that's good, the spiritual, heavenly vision. I also was brought, I also thought about we, yesterday was the, the mind <clears throat> that sees the problem and all the what's going on is not the mind that can unsee it. <laughs> it's not the mind that can see the un, unreality. You have to completely drop that for the divine mind. And that, I don't know, that just really quickly changed my thought to, well, if I think I'm seeing something, a problem of any kind in the world or on my body, that's not the same mind that can help or is not my savior. My savior is the divine mind and that um, knows no problem and no pain, no disease, and, and where the health, kingdom of heaven does dwell. So... I don't know, it just quickly got me off of the problem to go, there's only one mind to see that it's not real. That's it. And that's the point. There's only the one mind. That's one of the tricky things, you know, because sometimes you can get, well, there's just the immortal, not the mortal. But the idea of one mind, when there seems to be so many different minds, but you've got to keep bringing it back. The one mind. I, I love that in... Uh, in the testimony given about the cockatoo was brought out about that. She realized, you know, there's only the one mind. You don't even have the mind to think these negative things. No, 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 no. There's only the one mind. And, and that's why the study of unity of good is so important and essential. We had it in the, in the watch on Thursday night. Um, part of it but anyway because she speaks in absolute terms like that so gary's itchy over here what did you want to say <laughs> <laughs> well this is i mean this really gets to the crux of it doesn't it because if you're seeing a problem are you seeing what god made or are you seeing the lie about it I mean, the the lie, the lie appears to be nipping at the heel of truth, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, people ask, why, you know, why is my life so miserable? Why is there all this evil in the world? I mean, 
you, 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 you go down that road and you just, there's no end to it. And there's no answer to it. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. There's no answer. And the reason is because it is all an illusion. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is work. This is hard. See all of the, all of the evil is an illusion. So that when we see what what our eyes see, it's important to see the spiritual reality of what we're actually looking at. And when error is destroying itself, we should be grateful to God for the truth. And be grateful that error does, in fact, destroy itself, because the destruction of the illusion is in our own consciousness, and we have to get there. And that's the only that's all error can do is destroy itself. That's all it can do. That's why you don't want to be a part of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who else wanted to speak? Mrs. Zeddy says. My mind is divine good and cannot drift into evil. And if you're getting off the track and you use that statement, it gets you right back on. Yeah, that was in our, our watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a something Mrs. Evans used to give us often. So I, I have something, too, um, where she says uh, we're Christian scientists only as we quit our reliance upon that which is false. And grasp the true. I was thinking um, just all through the week. You know, what am I? What do I rely on? Oftentimes, you know, if you have a lot of experience doing something, you tend to rely on your own experience. And in the Greco book, um, I'm in book two now, where they're built. You know, they're they've just completed building the church and the edifice, and uh, the number of people that she, you know, put in positions that had no experience. So they weren't, they couldn't rely on their own previous experience. It had to, you, you're forced to your knees to seek that guidance. And so that's a tough one too, because, you know, you, you have experience in something and you kind of want to rely on it. And that's when you have to stop and um, look for that divine guidance. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. One thing um, Carpenter brings out, and we had this too with Mrs. Evans, um, Mrs. Eddy was always giving them impossible jobs to do. You know, they had to raise so much money to build the extension. They had to uh, build it in a ridiculously short amount of time. And Carpenter brings the out. out. What was the reason for doing that? And go straight to demonstration. That's it. They had to go straight to demonstration. They could not do it humanly. It was impossible to do it humanly. And so it 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 got you working at demonstrating. And Mrs. Evans loved to do that too. I mean, she'd just give us impossible things to do half the time and we just are you kidding me? You know, if things had to be done yesterday. So um but that's why she did it. You know, you'd have to know when to call her at the right time to <laughs> and if you didn't, you you weren't demonstrating. So and it was a tremendous training ground. So all things are possible to God, and, and that pushes you forward so you're not relying on your own human ways and means, but you're just always asking God 
and then you will find you demonstrate. And that's really the definition of demonstration means you did it with God. Um, We're all capable of more than we do. Yes. Seti says that. So Linda, what did you write? Well, I was going through, excuse me, 12 years with Mary Baker Eddy by Irving Irving Tomlinson to post uh, some quotes on our website. And in the process, I saw more about uh, the rebuking, but it taught, uh, I'll read the quote, but it reminded me of the lesson because a couple of times uh, Jesus said that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even them that believe on him. And then, uh, of course, he was talking to Nicodemus and said a man had to be born of water and spirit uh, if he wanted to enter the kingdom. And this spoke to me as what Mrs. Eddy was doing. And so Tomlinson wrote, quote, She, Mrs. Eddy, continued by saying it was her work not only to encourage right doing, but to rebuke error. Those who accept go higher. Uh, those who uh, cut off, sorry. Those are full are full of resentment and justify self fall by the way. She spoke not only of the beauty of holiness, the beauty of goodness, and her joy in abiding in that dear presence, but also of the necessity to descend into the valley and heal the demonics. She continued her exposition by saying that those who do not endure chastisement are not sons, for they are not legitimate offspring of truth, as their works testify. Those who endure chastisement shall live in the spirit and not in the senses. It's 12 years of Mary Baker Eddy Tomlinson. And then Sharon. The final lesson which consummates progress is this. When I rebuke a student, if that student receives it gently and recognizes its justice, if he is thankful thankful for it, he will continually progress. Mary Baker Eddy, Fragments, page 94. Thank you. Continually progress because we all we all need correcting. And and if you can take it and grow, you will. And if you can't, then you seem to stay stuck for a while. Um, and the reason, and maybe some of you already know this, but the reason that the forum was taken down was because someone was misusing it and would not take correction. Um, and finally did, but then also left church. <laughs> so, and that's that was too bad. That deeply saddened me because. There's always great possibilities in everyone. And uh, she was convinced that everything she wrote was wonderful and perfect. And and um, it needed a lot of attention and correction that I did not have time to spend to do. And if we're going to have the forum, it, it must be a demonstration on everyone's part. And if and you must be willing to take correction. Those of you who write lessons, those of you who do anything must be willing to take this correction. Otherwise, it makes a few of us here the job very, very difficult. Um, And when we have so much else to do, we don't have a lot of time to spend on this. So 
what we send forth from this church, believe me, we pray, we think about, we work to make sure it's the highest standard of science. Therefore, those of you that contribute to it must be held under accountable to that standard. Um, and that requires demonstration and it requires being able to take correction. And that's just that simple. This isn't a free-for-all where everyone can just write whatever they think. This isn't a Christian science chat room. It isn't. It's something else. Go ahead, Florence. Well, I think God is speaking to everyone everywhere. So even people come and leave, they're still being spoken to. So if they're listening, then they will be directed rightly. That's all. Well, that's that's absolutely right. And everyone has the freedom to come and go. Um, but I, I'm just saying those times are, well, they, they sadden me. I get over it. But anyway, so and we'll see what happens eventually with the forum. It might go back up. But um, coming here and working to me makes all the difference, though, because then you you have to continually prove that you are getting the right thought and you're know, not just proving it to yourself. <laughs> right. So, and that's really important. So. Yeah. It's not a conversation. Said, Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Much. Well, somebody said recently, I don't know whether it was a Bible study or a round table, but if you have hurt feelings, get rid of the feelings. And, and I, and I've thought about that because anything, anytime I feel hurt, um, it's my pride it's feeling hurt. It's not. And that's what I have to check, you know, and that's what has to be corrected. So um, anyway, I that that's helped me because I any hurt feelings, I go, whoa, what's what's feeling hurt? That's what needs to be addressed, not what was said necessarily. Thank you so much. And that and that that was Bicknell Young. He said, if your feelings are hurt, get rid of your feelings. Yeah. So, and that's always impressed me. Believe me, my feelings are always getting hurt. And it's something we all have to watch for. But again, if that happens, it shows that there's something within you that's reacting. And that means pay attention. Um, if, if, if you're at peace with yourself, you won't, your feelings won't get hurt and you'll be willing to learn. And even if the other person is wrong, and it could be, none of us are perfect. What I do could be wrong. Maybe I've insulted you <laughs> and you, you didn't deserve it. <laughs> anyway, so then, then what are you going to do with that, Linda? <laughs> um, well, I, I think if you're right, you just go along and not worry about that. Right. You don't have to prove anything or justify. You just are right and you just stay peaceful and just... And if you have to, uh, I guess, forgive if someone stepped in at something. If you, but then if you're feeling it, then. Well, and Mrs. Eddie gave us instruction on this, didn't she? Yes. Yeah. Mrs. Eddie say. If there's any truth in it, I'll use it. And I will change. Mm -hmm. And if not, I will drop it and go on. Thank you. Yes. And that, that's the only way. Um, and and also you can always say if I if I cause anybody any oh, problems right. at all if I've done anything at all to offend if it's anything wrong I please forgive me that's always a good thing to do it really is um, because it's true if you've done anything you'd want to say you're sorry and change and 
Maybe you don't realize at the time what it is, but maybe at some point it will be revealed to you. But this is the best way. It's the best way to get along and to grow and learn and but certainly not to take offense unless the offense be to God, which is partly why I I study that a lot, because it's a good thing to know. Now, we have something beautiful to read that we will end on today about, again, about this the heavenly vision. This is an article entitled The Lamp of Truth by Elma Warwick Wilmarth from a 1918 Sentinel. Men and women everywhere are thrilled and inspired to higher and nobler endeavor by the deeds of bravery and self-sacrifice of others who have left and are leaving footprints on the sands of time. As one reads in the 26th chapter of Acts, the record of Paul's defense before Agrippa, every fiber of his being is thrilled with the stand for principle which is taken by this apostle. Paul begins by expressing gratitude that he is permitted to speak for himself, touching the things whereof he was accused of the Jews. Then, neither sparing himself nor blaming others, he pleads guilty to having persecuted the followers of Jesus. He then relates his experience on the journey to Damascus when his eyes were opened to the wrong which he had done. He also tells of the manner in which he received the admonition to become a minister and a witness to Christ, and boldly declared, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So thoroughly was he convinced of the truth which had been revealed to him, that he longed for others to see the light also, declaring to Agrippa, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were, all, were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds in the life of Mary Baker Eddy, discoverer and founder of Christian science. We have the example of a character which stands for all that the words purity, tenderness, patience, meekness, perseverance, and devotion to the right can convey. Though she was misunderstood and misrepresented by church and press for years, yet she stood firm and unfalteringly relied on God, divine mind, to sustain her, demonstrating his allness to a doubting world. In a word, demonstrating Christian science by healing the sick and sinning. And pointing the way to victory over death itself, she too was obedient to the heavenly vision, and like Paul, longed to bring this knowledge of the healing and saving Christ to men everywhere. Her followers are instructed to pray each day, may thy enrich, may thy enrich the affections of all mankind and govern them. That this enrichment of the affections can uphold through trials is made plain in an explanation on page 385 of Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, the textbook of Christian Science, which reads, quote, It is proverbial that Florence Nightingale and other philanthropists engaged in humane labors have been able to undergo 
without sinking, fatigues and exposures which ordinary people could not endure. The explanation lies in the support which they derived from the divine law, rising above the human. End quote. In this connection, we shall do well to consider the noble life and work of Florence Nightingale, immortalized in Longfellow's poem entitled Santa Philomena, who almost unaided carried on the work of nursing the wounded and dying during the Crimean War. At night, carrying a little lamp, Miss Nightingale went from cot to cot, not with material aid only, but with words of tenderness and sympathy. And men in their gratitude even kissed her shadow as it passed. Longfellow pays enduring tribute to this self-sacrificing woman in the lines which are quoted each week on the cover of the Christian Science Sentinel. A lady with a lamp shall stand in the great history of the land, a noble type of good, heroic womanhood. To those who have received the vision of the Christ, which has been made plain to this age in the teachings of Christian science, to those who have touched the hem of spiritual understanding, an opportunity such as has never been before been present in the history of the world is brought, that they may aid in carrying the lamp of truth to the weary ones of earth, a call to be obedient to the heavenly vision. Let each one consecrate himself anew to the task of carrying this lamp of truth to all mankind, not falteringly, as if fearful lest some sudden gust of error might extinguish it, but joyfully, gratefully, lovingly, with the full assurance and unshaken understanding that its rays will arouse the sinner that they will comfort the sorrowing, that they will cast out the demon of fear and worry, that they will replace sickness with health. Then, instead of the darkness of ignorance regarding man's real being, the light of understanding will dawn in human consciousness, and all will know God, from the least to the greatest. And we certainly know the lady with the lamb is, is Mrs. Eddie. So thank yeah. you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.